Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Is is this the, the passing of the torch, right? Is this what this signifies? It comes down to that, that front office and what they feel is most important. The champ is here. We've touched down from a higher plane. Why you landed here? We always look forward to that week because it was always intense. You know that we ain't coming back. We got to the man, the myth, the legend, Dante Hall. My 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 favorite player growing up was Dante Hall. I love you guys in the show, but Dante was my guy. Get to dashing because he's done on the war feet. Hey there, Marcus Dash here from Chief Concerns. Just want to comment and say Bet Online is your number one source for all your sports betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for football, baseball, boxing, golf, and much more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Chief Concerns. I'm Marcus Dash, your legendary Chiefs tight end, Jason Dunn, my brother, Tasha Dash, and, of course, the legendary coach, Al Saunders. Coach, how we doing? I'm doing great, guys. Appreciate you having me on. How are you guys doing? Doing wonderful. Awesome, doing wonderful, Coach. Awesome. Tell you what, this is going to be an absolute treat for us, uh, for everybody out there. They've been excited just getting all of the response from everybody just wanting to listen and talk to Al Saunders. Can I cannot believe, and they cannot believe. I mean, they're, they're getting now, Coach. Look now, Marcus and Tasia is not going to. They're not going to seem like it. But they are absolute starstruck right now, Coach. They, they are, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear that you want to talk because my, my wife and I have been married for 50 years and she hasn't talked to me for two weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, I, I know you have a whole lot to say, you know, and, and, and she's a beautiful lady. Uh, you know, I, I, I adore and just love her, you, and the family. Uh, but, and, and that's another thing, just your quick wit and all those different things are going to be the treat coach. Uh, the, and the man that I know of, of you, everybody else is going to have a chance to kind of see, get to talk to you a little bit about, um, just some of this the philosophy, you know, offensive philosophy. Also, what you've been doing with yourself. Uh, and, and we, we've kind of talked about just during our era of chiefs football. Uh, there's this, this new age of people coming in that think the Chiefs just started when Patrick Mahomes started playing, right? And so <laughs> they don't quite know the, the long history of, you know, the 2000s, even before that when you was here with Marty as well. Uh, just your brilliance, uh, your innovative uh, thought process on the offense. Like, just when, I, when I'm telling you uh, the things that you were able to do, offense, Coach, I mean, it just blows me away. Blows me away. And I played in it. Uh, thanks, JD. Uh, you were a big part of that, you know, and, and I, I was just really fortunate uh, in my involvement in the National Football League, which I, I coached for 38 years uh, in the NFL. And 15 of those were in Kansas City uh, with 10 with Marty and, and five with Dick. And um, prior to coming to Kansas City, 
you know, I was with uh, Don Coriel uh, in, in San Diego, the Air Coriel offense. And, and that's really um, where I was grounded in really the, the, the kind of football that, that I really believed in and, and, and really enjoyed coaching. And you know, like Don always says, you can't, you can't teach what you don't know. Uh, and so always be a student of the game. And I always try to do that. And, you know, with Dan Faust and, and, and Kellen Winslow and Charlie Joyner and Chuck Muncie and all those great guys in the Air Coriel, uh, I, I, we were able to bring that to, to, to Kansas City. And the thing that actually uh, in between Marty and, and, and Dick, you know, we were in St. Louis and won the Super Bowl with the greatest show on turf and, and with, this, with the same offense. And the thing that, that I always go back and remember, um, I was always a good listener. And, and Don always used to say, you know, from an offensive perspective, you know, find out what players can do. Don't ever ask them to do what they can't do and then put them in a position to have success. And, and we were really the first in San Diego to, you know, we went with three tight ends at times with, with Kellen Winslow and, and uh, uh, two other tight ends we had there that were just Pete Hollihan and Eric Sievers. Uh, you know, no teams were doing that. We would shift them and move them and, you know, have people out uh, extended in the formation. Kellen Winslow was probably the first tight end, you know, to really be utilized as a wide receiver. Uh, and much like you, uh, and he could have been an all pro tackle just like you could have been, you know, as well as, you know, the way you played tight end was just phenomenal. And we tried to find out what people could do, put them in a position to have fun. We, 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 we moved and shifted and changed the, the look as a pre-snap look to give us an advantage and to get mismatches and get matchups. And, you know, every, every year it was different. Uh, every team was different. And when you were there uh, with us in, in, in Kansas city, you really made, uh, it possible for players like Priest Holmes to do what he did, you know, set NFL records two years in a row for the most touchdowns ever scored in a season. I think one year was 28, one year was 27. And Tony Gonzalez went to the Hall of Fame, as you well know, but but I, I've told people this before. Tony Gonzalez would not have been in the Hall of Fame um, without players like you, you know, supplementing uh, what he did and allowed him to be able to play the way he did. Uh, and so it was really fun. You know, you, you guys, I don't know if you guys watched JD play at all, but uh, you know, JD was the most unselfish, uh, true professional that I, and I, I honestly said this, I've said this to him before and to other people. I, if you ever asked me about a, a player that, just exemplifies what you would like to have in an NFL player. I always say Jason Dunn, you know, he, he deserved the ball a lot more. Um, you know, he lined up and, and did what, uh, you know, Priest Holmes needed him to do in the run game and allowed Priest to be a, a Pro Bowl player. It allowed us to lead the lead in offense for five straight years uh, and was just a pleasure to be around. But uh, it's about finding out what people can do, Jason, and then putting them in a position to do that and having fun doing it and, and, and making the complex things simple and, and not making the simple things complex. And I think if you put people in that environment and be creative and have fun doing it, uh, like we did in San Diego and, and Kansas City, we were able to have players like you that we could take advantage of their skills. Coach, uh, just, uh, I mean, thank you for that. Really, thank you so much for that. I, you, you know, you know how I feel about you. You know how much I love you. Uh, but that uh, just such a great, you know, compliment. Uh, just receiving it from you, really. It just, whoo. Okay, 
Well, the, the feeling's mutual. You know that. And, and yeah. uh, as coaches, you always have respect for, for players who, who play from their heart. And, and you always did that. And you were a delight to be around. I remember, I remember we gave you a game ball, and I can't remember. I'm, I'm thinking, and I, I, I might be wrong in this, but we played, we played Atlanta. And it was the seventh game of the season. And Atlanta was the number one team uh, in the NFL in defense. And we were, we were a strong offensive football team. We're the number one team in the league in offense. Um, We beat them 58 to six. And uh, we scored eight rushing touchdowns. Priest scored four in the first half. uh, And then we had four scored in the second half. Um, And the whole game plan against them you were the most integral part of that because of the run game. You know, Tony Richardson was, was exceptional as a fullback. And we played a lot of that game with two tight ends and a fullback and priest. Uh, and we shifted you and moved you and shifted you and, and, and moved Tony quite a bit. But at the end of the day, we ended up beating Jim Moore Jr. was that was the coach there, and he was an intern for me when I was at San when I was at the Ch- San Diego Chargers. I gave him his first job, and and I, I don't boy you wouldn't have known this because you weren't on the headsets. Uh, Dick Vermeil is was the head coach, of course, and Dick was one of his closest friends. Uh, he when he coached at Stanford, uh, Jim Morris Senior, uh, Bill Walsh. Uh, uh, Mike White, they, they had a phenomenal coaching staff, but Jim Mora Sr. was one of Dick's best friends, and now his son is coaching the Atlanta Falcons, and in the third quarter, we had scored eight points in three quarters, and Dick said, don't don't score, don't score anymore. Don't score anymore. I said, what are you talking about, coach? I'd like to score 100 on these guys, and he says, no, no, you can't do that. You don't have to walk across Jim Moore's hands you know I'll, I'll never forget that and we gave you the game ball after that game because of what you were able to provide uh Priest and and, and the running backs in that game it was just just absolutely phenomenal and uh you know people uh, you know you, you were just a delight to coach Jason I, I, I gotta say that well, well coach I, I tell you what you you are definitely one of my favorites and, and, I, and I've always said this uh I told other coaches, it's not to be like any coach. Al Saunders would be that guy. And I've said that I've taken a little bit of everything. And, I, and we would talk about this because I would sit in our meetings. And when you we go through and get passionate about things, coach, you would have me ready to run through the wall, like right then, right there. And it was easy to play for you, not just from the passion and the fire that you had, the things you would say out of your mouth. I mean, it, the way that moves people, I know it moved me, you know, I was just like, man, I, I, I've never heard a motivational speaker or a guy that has so much passion. And I remember you used to tell us our stories about, you know, your, your, your beginnings, how you grew up, you know, the things you went through with iron lung. I mean, that's a whole different story. And it was just it was just amazing to me just to listen to you speak in each and every meeting, in the practice, how you how you just you treated us. Uh, you know, and I'm just so I'm so gracious. Just having you, I'm so thankful, so grateful to just to have you, Coach, in my life. And well, thank I love, you. I love you immensely. You know that. Love you immensely. Well, the, the feelings mutual, and and I think I 
hopefully my children feel the same way, but I've always tried to impart and my father imparted it in me that you always teach, you always treat people with respect and dignity, you know, regardless of the circumstances, it doesn't cost anything to, to be kind. It doesn't cost anything to be positive. It doesn't cost anything to be passionate about what you do. But if you can do those things, typically things end up being uh, pretty good for everybody. And uh, it was so easy with the group of players that we had at Kansas City during that time. And, you know, your teammates that, you know, the Priest Holmes and the Tony Gonzalez and, the you know, the Willie Rose and Will Shields and Tony Richardson. And, you know, all those guys, Dante Hall, who you had on, uh, not only were they great players, um, but they were really great people and great teammates. And I, I think you guys had such a strong feeling for one another. Um, it yeah. was such a selfless feeling. And it was so much fun to, to be around. We were successful. And, and it, we were successful because of, of you guys. You know, it was, it was easy to, to have success when you got players who work so hard. And like Dick always used to say, you know, you're a really good football team when your best players are your hardest workers. And when you looked around our team, the, the hardest worker in the running back room was Priest. The hardest worker in the tight end room was, was you and Tony. The tightest, the, the hardest worker at the offensive line was Will Shields. You know, the hardest worker, uh, you just went right along. Uh, you know, Eddie Kennison was the hardest worker as a wide receiver. And it, it turned out, uh, you know, we had a team that they played for each other. Uh, you know, you, you know, you know that you can feel that more than anybody. But when you're the offensive coordinator of a group like that, it makes it a lot of fun. Um, and that's part of, of competitive sports for kids all ages you know you you, you got to have fun doing it and we tried as coaches to make it as much fun as we could much like the chiefs are right now they're having a heck of a lot of fun doing right. what they do with with, with homes and you know with andy reed and, and all those guys and then you know they're fun to watch and uh you know they're exciting and uh, much like we were and it's really really fun to see the chiefs you know play like they're playing i, I don't know if you guys knew this my, my son uh, worked for NFL Films a long time ago. He's like I say, he's a, a producer for Netflix now. Um, but there was a place in in South Philly called Charlie's. It's, it was a bar in South Philly, and it was uh, a, a play. Rich Gannon used to go there all the time. It was a Kansas City Chief kind of a, a hangout for Kansas City Chiefs fans in Philadelphia to go to football games. And uh, he did a documentary, Joe, my son did a documentary uh, on that place. And he actually won an Emmy for doing it. And it was a, it was a chief's thing. Uh, you know, it, it, for any of your fans that you guys are hanging around in Philly, you had to go to big Charlie's and it's, it's one of the greatest all time places ever. You know, you know what coach, I have one of my <clears throat> teammates from the Eagles on here. I told him kind of to jump on his name is Hollis Thomas. He, he just actually made a comment about the iron lung, he, you know, couldn't believe it. HT, Big Tank, hey, go down to Charlie's in South Philly, okay? And I want you to go check this place out, all right? They won't throw you out. They won't embrace you. It's right there. You, you know exactly where it is. Go in and go check them out. He'll <laughs> be at the game this weekend because we were talking. He asked if I was going to be at the game this weekend. I can't make it. Uh, but he will enjoy, Coach, to go in. And he's like a food connoisseur. He's like a place that, that you can just go into. And they will just love you. So, HP, they will embrace you over at Charlie's, okay? They will embrace you at Charlie's. <laughs> oh, see, so he said he's been there before, see? That's, that's, yeah. 
<laughs> that's the place to go. You ought, you ought to look up on Google or, or however you get, uh, you know, videos. Uh, but look up Big Charlie's uh, and Joe Saunders is it was the he, he he directed and produced it and it's uh we had uh, Dick go back there uh, and Dick and myself and uh, Frank Gans uh, and I think it was one of the other coaches I, I can't remember um, but we actually went back flew back to Philly and went there uh, and went in and surprised Dick surprised him uh, you know by coming into the to the bar and what what a great time that was was that was really fun and it was a it was great in that particular place it's a, a great kansas city chief hang in a, in a place that you wouldn't expect any to be going right <laughs> yeah i think i think steve spagnuolo went there after they won the super bowl uh last, i guess the niners i think he uh he ended up going there with the uh, lombardi i believe and they took like photos and stuff oh. yeah Spags also has the roots to the Philadelphia. Who took take it? That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Coach, I know you kind of talked about you know Coach Ramil and that whole staff, and, and you know talking about the players on the team. But I, I just want to really just play you know homage to you all as far as like the staff in itself. Everybody that you had, like you were just talking about Frank Gans Jr., uh, Dick Ramil. Uh, Charlie Joyner, we're talking about, I mean, uh, uh, you know, Big Daddy. We had uh, Billy Long, I mean, Jeff Hurd. I mean, we could just go name, start name them over and over again. You know, Mike White. I mean, I mean, we're talking about putting together, which I think is like one of the greatest coaching uh, groups for me to be a part of. I, I mean, we, we love – and y'all were characters yourself. Believe me, y'all were characters yourself. We enjoy being with you guys because y'all had so much personality to you and, and so much just wealth of knowledge and intellect. Y'all been in a lot of different places, you know, and so uh, we enjoyed every bit of it. We enjoyed every bit of it. T- talk a little bit about kind of some of the coaches like you said in the Hall of Fame that you you, you was able to coach with uh, and some of the things you just learned just in that entire process. Yeah, you know, we did have a great staff, and that's a tribute to Dick. You know, Ramil, um, he's a special and a unique, a unique coach and a unique man. He's just a tremendous human being, and uh, people wanted to coach for Dick and liked to coach for Dick. And you know, James Saxon and and, and Charlie Joyner and you know Keith Rowan and and uh, Mike Solari and and myself were basically the offensive staff and, and really got along well and, and really enjoyed being around each other. And, you know, you asked about coaches I've, I've coached with before. I actually have, have been really, really fortunate in my career to be around just some really great head coaches. I, my first years in the league for six years, I was with Don Coriel. And then uh, when he retired, I, I ended up being the the head coach with the Chargers, and then came back to, to Kansas City and worked for Marty Schottenheimer, who should be in the Hall of Fame, and then worked for Dick Vermeil, who's in the Hall of Fame, Don's in the Hall of Fame, and then when I left Kansas City, I went to uh, Washington Redskins at the time, now the commanders, worked for Joe Gibbs. Um, so I, in my career, I really worked for four Hall of Fame head coaches, which uh, learned a lot of offense from them and not only offense, but, you know, how to, how to manage people and, and how to, you know, do things the right way and really fortunate. And, and after I left Washington, I went to uh, 
to uh, Baltimore with, with John Harbaugh and John Harbaugh is going to be one of those hall of fame guys before it's all over in his career. So uh, from everybody, Jason, and, and you know that, I mean, it's not football, it's in life in general. Um, you know, you learn things and you learn the way to do things the, the right way. Um, and you learn, you know, how to, to build on your own abilities and, and try to help people around you get better. And that's the great thing about coaching. It's teaching, isn't it? And, you know, the teaching, uh, you know, involves a lot of things, you know, it involves things emotionally, mentally, physically, and every other way. And um, you, you learn how to do things uh, from people who have had great success and who are the very best in, in their careers at it. And I had a, a opportunities at a, at a young age to, to, to be involved with those kind of coaches. And, and fortunately we had, uh, had great players, had great success. That's wonderful. And, and, and the thing is, coach, you, you, like you said, just like the amount of guys that, you know, coaches and, and you did, you treat everybody right. You, you, you did that. He was the embodiment of somebody that showed their heart, their passion, their love, the players, you know, for your, your coworkers, uh, like I said, Coach, I just love seeing your work. Uh, and, and what we're going to do, I'm, I'm going to kind of get into a little bit of, like, your, the wide receivers, the guys that was able to actually, for you, that you developed over the time. And it's just amazing to me, the, the names that just come up. I'm just looking at the list. That just goes on and on. And so I think behind the scenes, when they, they, they hear a player, right, and the yards and everything they do, you know, all the accolades that they, they received, you know, there's somebody that's there that's giving them the, the chin and the toolage and all the, everything that's necessary for them to be successful, right? Somebody has to be the one that is going to uh, nurture this environment to get them to that point, right? And so uh, some of the names I'm looking at, Coach, I mean, just Wes Chandler, Charlie Gornick, Joyner, Kellen Winslow, Willie Gall, Andre Risen, Derek Alexander, Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt, you know, Eddie Kennison, like you said, Johnny. Uh, uh, TG, um, Dante Hall. I mean, we, we could just keep going on and on and just name the guys that you just had that was under you that attributed a lot of the success for the things that you did as a coach. And that went into like more than just the X's and O's and the route running, the, the technique. It was the love that you gave them. Okay? Like you said, the respect that you had and the passion that they saw from you every single day. Uh, I remember watching you one day in practice and we threw a ball down to, you know, maybe it might've been like a nine route. And I see you just take off running. Like you were going out on the, on the route yourself. And I was just like, what is coach doing? Like, you, like <laughs> I, I was so amazed, right? First off, you're an avid runner. I don't know if people know this or not. I mean, you, you, you're, like incredible, I would just watch you. you you're, you're like an Iron Man to me. Uh, but when watching you out there on the football field, running with these top, of the, you know, athletes, which you are one yourself. People don't quite know that, but yeah, I mean, you are. I mean, I was just so amazed at those things, Coach. So, so let me ask you, just kind of with those names that that you have, what does it take to develop wide receivers, right? Hall of Fame wide receivers. What, what, what was your philosophy in training those guys to get them to the they were they they got to yeah well first of all uh th thanks for saying that and and uh you know i i was really fortunate as as most coaches are uh, i coached for 50 years right 38 in the nfl and 
12 in, in college football. And I can honestly say that I never, ever, ever once ever felt like I was going to work. I, I enjoyed, and I, I can truly say this in all honesty, I, I loved every single day. Uh, I could hardly wait to get to work and, and the associations with the players and the strategy and the, the adrenaline rush on Sundays and, you know, staying at night. I mean, we'd, we'd be at the office at six in the morning and leave at, you know, t- nine, 10, 11 at night, depending on what day it was during the week and never, ever felt like I was going to work. It's just something that I really, really enjoyed. And the, that part about running it up and down the field, I'll, t- I'll tell you a story about that. Um, my first coaching job ever was at the University of Southern California. Um, and John McKay had coached there. This was in 1970. I was I just graduated from Stanford, got my master's there, and I went to USC as a graduate assistant. And we had a receiver by the name of Lynn Swan, who ended up being a, a pretty good player. Um, and at USC, uh, Joe Gibbs was the offensive line coach. Wayne Fonts was the secondary coach. Just a tremendous stat there. And the first day of practice, this is a true story. The first day of practice, and I'm, I'm kind of helping. I'm, I'm working with the tight ends and wide receivers, uh, you know, as a, as a graduate assistant. So you're, you're kind of an intern guy. You know, and so we're out on the practice field and at SC, we had a a defense for teamwork. We had a defense lined up and then there was two offensive huddles and one huddle would go and run a play and then they go around the outside and the next uh, group would get up, huddle up. And and, and it was just just really fast paced offense. And um, so I'm I'm coaching. I think I'm coaching like crazy. I got guys are coming back to huddle and I'm talking to them and, you know, making some corrections or, or whatever needed to be or patting them on the back. And we're walking off the field. And I thought, you know, I thought I, I, I did okay. You know, I mean, I, I, I thought I did the right thing and, and coached them up. And I was, you know, 20, what, 23 years old. And, you know, my first opportunity to be, I was in awe of Coach McKay and, and you know, the USC, USC Trojans, they just won the national championship, you know. And I'm walking off the field, God's honest truth. And uh, so, I kind of saw Coach McKay up in front of me, maybe about 10 yards. So I kind of hurried up, you know, just to kind of get next to him. To, and maybe he would say something to me, you know. And he, he always smoked a cigar. He didn't light it, but he had a cigar. And he has a cigar out of his mouth. And he looks at me and he goes, Allie, if you put, if you put a Y on the end of your name, you knew you, you did okay. If he called you by your, your regular name, you knew you were in trouble. And I didn't know that at the time. So he goes, Allie, he goes, I want to tell you something. I said, yes, sir. He goes, we work full days here, not half days. And he kept walking. And I had no idea what he meant. And it really concerned me because it it didn't sound really good when he said it. So it was a morning practice. So I asked Coach Gibbs, I says, hey, coach, I said, you know, Coach McKay said we work half days. You know, I, what does he mean? He says, what he means is we had two huddles going. He says, you're standing back there talking to, you know, Lynn Swan and you're talking to, you know, Bobby Chandler and all those guys and another guy's running a route. He says, what you do when a guy runs a route, you run right down the field next to him and you tell him what he did right 
or you tell him what he did wrong. And then you run back to the huddle in time for the next group to go. Now, I, I, I've run about 25 marathons in my life. Uh, I, I, it was kind of a, a hobby of mine running. So the, the afternoon practice, the, the first team would get up and, and, and they'd run a route. And I would run all the way. If they ran an out route, I'd run down and run down it right there. If he caught the ball, great job. If he didn't get out of the break quick enough. So I was coaching him on the move. So after that afternoon practice, we're walking off the field. And I tried to catch up to Coach McKay again, you know, so maybe he would say something. He looks over, he has a cigar, and he looks over, and he goes, Allie? He goes, now you're coaching a full day. Never forget that. And what he said was, and then it was, then it was, then it was a lecture to the staff after practice. He says, man, he says, let me tell you something. He says, our players are working their ever-living rear ends off. You, I want immediate feedback. None of this stuff about we're going to look at the video after practice and we're going to correct him. He says, I want immediate feedback. I want you to tell them what they did right, or I want you to tell them what they did. If they did something wrong, you tell them how to do it correctly. And I always remember that. He made sense to me. And so it just became part of, you know, you know me. I'm a little animated when I'm on the field and I enjoy when I see a player do something really well or something that we've talked about that might be, you know, getting out of a route in a proper way or the proper depth of a route. And, you know, we always just say, be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Don't ever fool the quarterback, you know, and it was know what to do, know how to do it, you know, do it all the time and, and, and do it with energy and enthusiasm. And I, I kind of felt that way as a, as a teacher and, and as a coach, when somebody did something well, it really made me feel good. You know, and it really made me feel good about maybe there was something in our meeting or something in practice that I might have mentioned to this particular player that enabled him and helped him become a better player. And, you know, the question that I get from a lot of people, Jason, a lot of times, and you can you can uh, kind of identify with this um, they said, how do you how do you work with or how do you coach these guys? Now they're making millions and millions of dollars. And when I was a head coach at San Diego Chargers, I made one hundred twenty five thousand dollars a year. Head coaches are making five million. Tight ends now are making 10 million, 12 million a year. They're paying a little bit different now, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but people say, how do you how do you work with these? How do you work with these players? They think they know everything, you know, they're you know, they're making all kinds of money. And I said, you know, I, I've never, I've never ever thought of it that way. And I know this, that if a player feels, and you could attest to this, if a player feels like as a coach, you can help them get better, they'll do anything you ask, right? I mean, as a player, if you felt a coach could help you get better or achieve a goal that, that you set for yourself or, or play more or, or play longer in your career, you would, you would work like crazy to do everything you could to improve your skills. And if you had a coach that tried to BS you a little bit and really didn't know what he was doing and, and was not enthusiastic about the game or enthusiastic about you, it was, it's a different attitude. It's like being in a family, you know, and, and, you know, how you teach your children or how you teach your spouse or how you treat people around you, I, I think is really, really important. And, that, that's always something that I, I really enjoy doing. I, I love the game. I love the people in it. Um, the relationships, going and seeing Dante Hall, you know, and you were there, you know, a few weeks ago when he was put in the ring of honor. I mean, how, how 
what a great feeling that was to know that Dante achieved that, you know, um, that that's the reward of, of being a coach. And, and that's what is really great about the profession and, and the, the relationships that you have and thinking that maybe at some somewhere along the line, you did something to, to, to help somebody get a little better or put them in a position where they could have success. And uh, that, that's the really fun part of coaching. They call they call that buying in now for, for players to, they you know, buying uh, in. Yeah. Yeah. Players buying into uh, hearing that from coaches now. Well, that, that's important though. You know, I mean, we, we all yeah. buy into whatever we're doing as assistant coaches, you buy into the head coach, you know? Yeah. And, and as assistant coaches, responsible for a, a group of players, uh, you know, in a room, you know, if you buy into each other and you know that the most, the most important, I, I, I would want player to, to feel like the most important thing to him um, was our relationship. And, and I used to tell my, in the receiver room, cause I was always most of the time with receivers and quarterbacks, the receiver, my, my first meeting, I would always say, you know, I'm going to treat everyone like a first round draft choice. I don't care if you're a free agent. I don't care if you're, you are a first round draft choice to me, everybody's a first round draft choice. And, and I don't spend any more time or any less time on a free agent working with him or any less enthusiastic about him doing something that was really good or that to watch him improve. Um, then I if it, he really was a first round draft so it didn't make any difference to me it, it, the reward was that player getting better and if he didn't if he didn't get better uh, I, I took my in my own responsibility for that you know I thought what can I do to, to to make this particular individual you know achieve the goals that, that he would really like to achieve and sometimes their, their talent wasn't good enough to do that but we were going to try to make them as good as they could possibly be, you know, given the talent that they had and by teaching techniques, um, you know, by de being demanding and, and Jason knows that, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, an easy practice, uh, you know, regime that we had, we worked hard and, and our players worked hard. And, and as a result, they got better. And as a result, there was nobody better in the national football league as an offensive unit than, the, the Kansas City Chiefs from from 2001 to 2006, I guess it was. We scored more yeah. points than any team in the National Football League. We had more touchdowns. We had more touchdowns. We had more yards uh, than any other team in the and scored more points than any other team in the NFL. Um, and and that was uh, that was really special. Yeah. Two thousand one hundred seventy-five uh, points. 30,470 yards, 262 touchdowns during that five-year span. That's incredible, Coach. Absolutely incredible. And I, I'm, I'm sitting there. I played in. I had well, no we idea. Could, we, could, we couldn't have done it without you, J.D. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, it was, we, we, had a, we had a great bunch of guys around us. And so, you know, just in that development, like you were just talking about on young guys, and I love that because now you got me sitting up here like I'm in, in meetings writing down notes on all the all the good notes you give, coach. All the good nuggets you give, and I and, and I love that part when you're talking about like treating every player like a first round draft pick, and it's so important that yeah. guys that I felt like they're 
it's left in the past or, you know, you're, you know, you're an undrafted free agent. You're not going to make it. And so it's, it's important when, when we're talking about from the guy that's, that's, that's on the bottom of the totem pole to the top, it's all turning around that we're all together. We're trying, we're, we're all here for a common goal. And we're trying to make sure that we're trying to win a championship. That's what it's about. We're trying to do it as a family. Um, and, and it's important uh, when I talk to some of the fans out here, what the uh, the dynamics of the locker room looks like, and how sometimes out outside of the the, the locker room in the, in the world, fans and outside of that 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 whole uh, encasement, it looks different because we, we rely on each other every single day, and we have conversations with each other that's a lot different than everybody out here talking. The media is talking out here, and people don't quite know what goes on, and so. Obviously, as coaches, y'all keep everything kind of close to your chest. But in-house, y'all kind of let it all spill out a little bit. And that's what I love about it because it's like we know inside of this locker room, we got to rely on each other. That's what matters. That's all that matters. Not the distractions out here talking about what you didn't do or what, what somebody else got into and all this other BS that's going on. It's about men that's here in the room trying to get the championship and get these things done. We go to work every single day. We're trying to do it for the city, We're trying to do it for fans, and trying to do it for their families, for each other. And so it, it, it's an important thing when we talk about uh, just NFL locker rooms, how now the Chiefs are so successful in what they're doing. Go to Super Bowl three times in four years, win two of them, and now it seems like there's a lot of uh, – I, I, I'm – be generous here. There's a lot of noise that sometimes you hear outside of outside of the Chiefs, right? And maybe you know Andy's not doing it right, or you know the wide receiver room looks crazy, and you know is this the right thing? Patrick Mahomes might be struggling, and, and what is this? What does this all look like? And so during those years where there was a little bit of turmoil with some, you know, a lot of uh, you know hard times. Now is like the, the the golden years of the Chiefs in a sense, right? If you will, where you you have a, a wonderful team with Andy Reid at the helm, Patrick Mahomes who's playing at the highest level that we've seen quarterbacks play, Travis Kelsey doing his amazing job as a tight end, solidifying himself as one of the top of all time. And I say we have we have the best two greatest tight ends of all time. And that is with Tony Gonzalez and Travis Kelsey. Obviously, Kelvin Winslow is right up there with him, obviously, right? Another one that you coach. But to kind of see this team right now, okay, and, and I'm sure you've been watching this team, Andy and those guys, kind of do what they do. Can you just give me a kind of a sense of what you think about these guys, you know, as far as Andy, just kind of talking about him a little bit and the job that he's doing? And then kind of go into, like, some of the philosophy you think offensively uh, what you what you think they're doing right, and maybe some things that you may critique. That I know these these, you know, we don't want to be speaking disparagingly about anybody, but uh, but just go ahead and just kind of kind of kind of elaborate a little bit, coach, if you will. Yeah, well, you know, I, I've known Andy for for years and years and years and years. We're both from the San Francisco Bay Area, and I, I've known Andy for for a long 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 time uh and have a great deal of respect for him uh, not only as a football coach but just uh you know how he handles things uh and he's had some difficult times in his life uh, uh, but he is a special human being and and i think his 
his genuine uh, genuineness and and his, he's a humble guy uh, and he's he's very very knowledgeable about uh, utilizing players in, in in the best way possible for them to have success just like Don Coriel was and just like Dick Ramil was and just like Marty Schottenheimer was and Joe Gibbs was the people that I've worked for but I I think right now, um, in, in my opinion, uh, I, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are you know, the best team in football. I, I think they've got the best quarterback in football. I think the system, uh, the, the way they play uh, offensively, and Spags is doing a good job with the defense. They play complementary football. I know that you know people think you know maybe they aren't playing as well as they they played. Uh, you know, in the last couple of years, but they, they, they sent a guy to Miami that's pretty darn good. And, and, and when, you, when you don't have him on your football team, it, it changes the dynamics a little bit. But, uh, you know, they, they, they can run the ball, they, they can throw the ball. And, and, and Patrick is just, he, he's one of those very, very special, special human beings. And, they, and, the, and the word that you, I, I think that, you know, is operative in terms of the, you're talking about the locker room is the culture. I think the culture in their locker room is terrific. I think they're real supportive of each other. Uh, you know, Kelsey obviously is maybe one of the best that's ever played the game. I, I still kind of favor Kellen Winslow as the best tight end that's, that's ever played the game. And, and uh, Tony Gonzalez is right in there with him. And, and Travis, his, his statistics are going to be, uh, well, he's already passed Tony in, in a lot of respect. Backs, you know, none of them can block like you did, though, JD. None of them can block like you did. <laughs> so, Priest wouldn't gain as many yards in, in the offenses right now. But, uh, but, but I think they're 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 outstanding. You know, they 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 play with genuine enthusiasm. I think you know, when you when you've had a lot of success like they have, uh, you know, people expect so much every single week to the point where. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they play this week when they play Philadelphia. I mean, that, that's a true litmus test for this year. You know, repeat of that Super Bowl, and you got two great football teams playing. Uh, you know, in a in a in a marquee game, uh, I would never bet against Andy Reid, and I would never get bet against Patrick Mahomes. And uh, you know, I, I think they're terrific. They're entertaining. They're fun to watch. They put the ball down the field. You know, so many teams now. The passing game is a, is a sideways passing game. It's a it's quick screens. It's throw little bubble screens out there. Get the, get the playmakers in space, which is important to do. Um, but very few teams uh, anymore really have a vertical passing game. The two teams that do right now that are playing that way, and people say that you know uh, the Kansas City Chiefs is quote a West Coast offense. That's a you know such a mis misnomer anymore that. You know, the, the West Coast offense, as Bill Walsh ran it, you know, Bill had one tight end, he had two running backs, he had two wide receivers, and it was a slant, hook, drag offense. It was it was short passes to, to guys like Jerry Rice and John Taylor, who were 6'3", you know, 225 pounds that broke tackles and made big plays with their legs, but they were in contested in environments all the time you know they're throwing they're throwing hook routes they're throwing the slants they're throwing you know shallow crosses and drags and that that was really the the west coast offense is a sideways offense you know you watch uh, nathaniel hackett in in uh, when he was in denver and when he was in uh when he's in 
the playing the, the offensive coordinator for the Jets right now, you know, that is truly a West Coast short two and three yard passing offense and then letting the guys throw the ball. In Don Coriel's offense, we attacked scenes. We were we were throwing the ball vertically. We wanted to get the ball down the field, and then you know work the progressions from there. And and Andy Reid has done a great job of incorporating the vertical passing game, um, as well as the lateral passing game that is is kind of emphasized by quote the true West Coast teams. The other NFL that that uh, plays football like that in a vertical game is Miami. And that's why they score so many points, and that's why they're so explosive. The two best, in my opinion, the two best passing offenses in, in the National Football League are, are Miami and uh, and Kansas City because of the way they play, the way they allow the quarterback some some freedom in terms of uh, you know the progressions that he takes. They're they're deep, the short progressions. They're not always you know sideways progressions, and uh, you know they they utilize by movement, by shifting, by motioning receivers to get mismatches uh, and and one thing about coaching you can't teach what you don't know and a lot of young coaches now uh, come up either through the college ranks or they, they they're in one system for most of their career and then they get an opportunity to be a coordinator or a head coach and they really don't have the broad spectrum of of resources uh, intellectually in a variety of, of, of passing offenses so I think Kansas City is is really doing it the right way. Uh, I think they're exciting to watch. I, I think they they do a great job with their perimeter players, uh, putting them in positions where they can have success. Uh, and uh, I think they're. If I had to bet on a team, a Super Bowl team, a lot of people would say from the AFC. You know, I'm, I'm not sure. You know where everybody would put their money, but I, I'd put all my chips on Kansas City. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. But Marcus, you, yeah, Miami, no, I was Miami's Miami will be a tough out for him, though. It, it will, yeah. But I, I told them, I, I said, I said this about Tyreek Hill, like you said, that Kansas City let him walk, and who had more film on Tyreek Hill than Kansas City? Who knows Tyreek Hill better than Kansas City? I said, Spags. Watch this guy in practice every single day. He cut his teeth in Kansas City. So he knew how he was going to defend Tyreek Hill. So put your hands on him, get physical, pull, push, whatever you need to do to kind of get him out of his game. And so you're not going to be able to stop a guy like Tyreek Hill. The only thing you could probably do is try to contain him, get him frustrated, and try to get him off his game as, as hard as that is. Uh, but I think they did a very good, successful uh, uh as far as game plan against him uh, this past time, this past week against him, so they yeah. tackled him. Really well, well, it's it's a great, it, you know, it's it's a great testament to Andy and that staff uh, to be able to be as successful on offense as they have been without him. Because um, in my in my mind, holy cow! I mean, I I, I would have I would give my firstborn child uh, you know, to not have go to Miami, <laughs> you know, you could have what, because players like that make you a pretty good coach, you know, and, and what an explosive, he is, he's a, he's just a delight to watch, and, and uh, what a phenomenal player he is, I mean, his, his, I don't know what his stats are at this point this year, but they're, they're, they're off the charts, you know, and yeah. when a team scores 70 points in a game, uh, 
you know, it, it's it's incredible what, what they're doing, and 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 they're fun. You know, they 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 the quarterback's playing great. They've got a, a, you know they can run the ball. Uh, you know, they can get the ball down the field in the seams. They're not. Uh, yeah, they do a great job with the screen game. Um, they're really a multifaceted team that that really is a delight to watch. And and, and Miami, Kansas City, I don't know that you could you could have any if they were playing, uh, you know, on uh, in the United States, you know, to, that that helps too. You know. So if Carl and Dick tried trading Tyreek, you'd have something to say about it. Oh my God! Well. Carl did his own thing, you know, but Dick, Dick would, uh, Dick, Dick would do everything he could to keep him. <laughs> and, and, you know, it is, it, is a lot of it comes down to money, you know, that, you know, and because there, there wasn't a better opportunity and who knows, you know, who knows what goes behind, you know, closed doors and, you know, they've got this salary cap issues and all of the other administrative things that, uh, that come to fruition when, when you deal with players and salaries and, all those kind of things, but but I know one thing. I, there, there's not a more exciting, more dynamic, more electric player other than you know maybe Christian McCaffrey. But they, but they're you know the, the, those two guys are, are money in the bank. Mm. That's a fact. That's a fact. I know Marcus. Would you have some Marcus? Yeah, I have, I have so many things. But um, one of the things you mentioned, you know, right now you're saying the two best offenses in the league are Miami and Kansas City. Uh, but if you ask many fans right now, they'll say the Chiefs' offense is just not. Obviously, it's not what it looked like two years ago with Tyreek. But um, what, what what would you say? Because I mean, we look at different numbers here. We look at statistics last week that the Chiefs had the lowest uh, three and out rate in the NFL. But then if you look at our red zone offense, that's where it kind of we, – we get we get to the other side of the 20, that's when it, things kind of unravel a little bit. What, what, what would you say in watching our games is where you see the biggest struggles so far uh, this season for our offense? Yeah. Um, well, you know, when you talk about the red zone efficiency, uh, you know, that we, we had – I think we still have the record for the highest percentage of red zone touchdowns in the history of the national football league. Um, you, you could look that up in the NFL record book, but I, I, unless somebody has broken it in the last couple of years, but I know three or four years ago, we still had the record for the highest percentage of scoring in, in, in the red zone. And, and part of that was, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of teams now are in the shotgun all the time um it and if you're in the gun all the time uh it, it diminishes a little bit the effectiveness of the run game especially for backs that like to run downhill um and our philosophy was when we got in the red zone when we were inside the, the 20 yard line um we were going to run the football and it was run the football play action pass and then do some things off of what we did uh, but a lot of teams, they get down there, they think they've got to throw the football, but they want to try to get the one-on-one mashups. The coverages are so different, and it's so difficult to, to throw the ball down there sometimes because of the combination of coverages that you see. Um, but we, we we ran the ball. I mean, Priest Holmes scored 28 touchdowns one year. He scored 29 touchdowns the next year. And uh, that that's because – and we were able to do that because we had two terrific players – that we utilized in the run game in the red zone. We had Tony Gonzalez and we had Jason Dunn and it allowed Tony Gonzalez to get matchups one-on-one with linebackers 
and we had Dante Hall that we would put in the slot, even though he was small down there. And it, it, we really ended up playing a lot of nickel defense, but we were always under the not always, but we were under the center. We were able to, you know, accentuate our play action pass, and we were able to run the football really, really well. And that's the one thing that I think Kansas City has not done extremely well is run the football in the red zone. And because if you throw it on first down and it's an incomplete, then you're going to throw it two more downs. Because it's going to be second and whatever, and then it's going to be third and whatever. And until we, we were able, we were fortunate enough to score so much that what I would always do as a play caller is we would have tendencies um, and I would always try to break the tendencies when we had a lead, uh, a significant lead in a game, or it was, it was, we were really comfortable offensively that, uh, you know, we, we were going to have a, a good day. Um, and then I would, I would still do what we would do in the red zone. Then I, then all of a sudden I might throw the ball on first down, down there just to break a tendency because most of the defensive coaches go off, you know, computer analysis and the, you know, when you're down there on first down, it's this on the right hash, you do this on the left hash, you do this with this personnel group, you do that. And, and we would change up so much, you know, we, we ended up having a variety of personnel groups, a variety of shifts, a variety of motions. We would never give it, we would never give defense the same look twice. But now we might run the same plays from one game to the next, but they would never look the same. It would be with a different personnel group. It would be with a different shift and a different motion. Um, and, and that's how we got a, a lot of creativity. And, and I do think, uh, and once again, it's just one man's opinion, but I do think the most exciting and the most fun offenses to watch are, are Kansas City's and, and Miami's. Now, you can watch the Ravens and, and enjoy, you know, uh, you know, that kind of an offense where the quarterback is, you know, really a, an integral part of it. Um, but they're, they're not as exciting and, and will never be as productive as we were. I, I tell you, I, I agree with that 100. percent And just the, the innovation, I think Andy, what he's able to do, uh, is is just you, you can see his brilliance in the game. And so, uh, and I think what what happens sometimes, Coach, with that brilliance, that some of the complaints from 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 people is that Andy gets a little bit ahead of himself on short yardage, third and short, right? But we don't look like we're trying to run the football. We're looking to try to throw and pass on third down. And this, it, this past year is kind of bit us in the a little bit because if you are third and one, you're, you're having Darius Tony, wide receiver in the backfield. He's taking a snap. Or you're trying to run jet sweep and jet motion, hand him to a running back, try to get to the outside, and you're already out leveraged. And so if, obviously, as you know this, if your wide receiver is not are, are not capable blockers, that's going to be a problem, be a huge problem. Uh, yeah, so, so what do you – You know, and it, it depends on how you run the ball. You know, we, 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 we always felt like, you know, we had inside zone, we had outside zone, we had gap scheme runs, we had traps, we, we had it all. And Priest was a downhill runner. And, and the important thing, like when we first started talking, you – you find out what your players can do and you don't ask them to do things that they can't do. And thinking back, you know, if you had a Derrick Henry or you had, you know, a, a, a mix and like Cincinnati has, I mean, you, you don't want it to, those guys running sideways. You want to run it downhill. 
And so you've got to build your, your system of offense to take advantage of, of the people that you have. And each year it changes. Without Tyreek Hill, that offense is, is a bit different. The terminology is the same, and some of the base packages are the same in the run and the pass game, but it's it's different. And I think one of the one of the, the I don't want to say a trap because that's not a good word to use, but one of the the kind of mo's that coaches fall into. And Marty Schottenheimer used to say this all the time: in times of stress, think about players, not plays. And and I think. Sometimes when it's a stressful situation or it's a key situation, oftentimes coaches start thinking of plays when really it's the players that you, who is your best player? And I, and I think Andy's always done a really good job of that because, well, the two best players right now are who Kelsey and, and Mahomes. So um, probably his, without being in their staff room, I'm, I'm sure it, the thinking is when in times of stress, you think of those two guys, you know, how, how, how do we, how, how does Patrick Mahomes get the ball to one of our perimeter players? And it, it, Travis Kelsey is a big part of that. Um, as long as Taylor Swift's in the stands, I guess, you know, if she's not there, then they go to someone else. So I don't know how that works, but, but uh, you know, I, I Sometimes, and, and the other thing that happens is is people catch up with you. You know, um, as much as you try to stay ahead of the curve and you try to uh, do different things from an offensive perspective, you know, there's some pretty smart defensive coaches out there too, and there's some real good players. And when when teams play you twice a year in your in your division, um, you know, it's a little bit harder to to play against those teams and 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 be more creative. But uh, I. I I, I have so much respect for Andy. I have so much respect for what they do that it's only halfway through the season, you know, and I don't have the stats in front of me. I don't know where they are offensively or anything like that, but I know one thing they're effective and, and, and they will be, and, and they're not going to get worse. They're going to get better. Um, you know, just hopefully they don't have injuries like gosh darn, you know, guys are quarterbacks are getting injured like crazy. Knock on wood. We don't want to jinx Patrick, but uh where the kid go from Cincinnati goes out last night, and the the Browns lose their their starting quarterback, two hundred and thirty million guaranteed. Would you play for that, JD? Man, uh, <laughs> all day, right now, sign me up. <laughs> two hundred thirty million. That's just crazy. That's unbelievable. It's, it's just crazy thinking about it. You know. Yeah. I, you know, Coach. Let me ask you this question because I've, I've been asked this question before on the show. In the chat, uh, what do you think about the whole notion that coaches hold back plays? What, what do you think about that? Do you, do you think Andy has a whole different playbook for playoffs that he hold back plays? My my estimation, I'm like, no. Listen, go ahead. No, here here's what you do during the week. Really, you, you as you know, and, and you know you you played for you played for a long time and, and played you know extremely well in college you played in the NFL and for a long time and everybody has a, a base conceptual playbook right I mean we have I mean I could go and say okay you know every offense that I've ever been a coordinator of you know we 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 always had you know, 383, we always had 989 F rep snake. We always had 525 F post. We always had, you know, 432 F corner swing. You've got a base group of passes 
with protections. We always had multiple protections, um, but you, you have a, a base group of protections. We had scat protection, we had gone protection, we had play action protection, we had slide protections, um, a variety of protections, a variety of base concept passes, a variety of base concept runs, base concept screens, et cetera, et cetera. So you have a core of plays that, that uh, you know, your team basically relies on. And then game to game, it becomes, uh, you know, it becomes a matchup game. You know, what personnel matches up best with the team that you're playing it becomes a formation game. It becomes, uh, you know, a game of, of, of creativity in terms of how you're going to, how you're going to utilize those base concept plays. And then, you know, maybe there are some other runs or some other passes or some screens, uh, you know, that particularly take advantage of the defensive scheme that you play. So you, you game plan scheme and you game plan personnel. So there's, there are new plays each week and some coaches have a lot of new plays. Some we had, uh, you know, we had the, I had the availability to call over 200 plays in a game. And, and, and part of it was our terminology. Um, you know, we were a, a numbered route system, so we could run 989, for example, which is a go and then an eight route inside and a nine route outside. And then at halftime, I'd say, you know what, instead of running 989, let's run a quick out on the other side and run 389. You know, so, so it's not a whole conceptual thing. It's something that we were able to do. We had a tremendous amount of volume, but our offense yes. was very simple from a, 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 a nomad standpoint that players could adjust and, and you could move along right away. So the idea of coaches holding back plays, I, I hear that all the time. And no, it, it, you don't. You might, you might not run some plays because you don't need to because you're ahead by 20 points. And, and right. typically what you do, you just those plays to the next week so you have that's what we used to do i always used to game plan you know maybe 10 to 15 plays uh two weeks in advance so that it wasn't new each week that we already had you know a little bit of time to work on them might have run just a couple of times might have introduced them in a meeting you know and not had a lot of reps on them but they would come up the following week um and so people no. Andy's not sticking plays in his pocket saying we're not going to run an X around or we're not going to run, you know, uh, you know, a, a triple slant, you know, with this particular kind of motion because we don't want to show it. Now you, you're going to do whatever you need to do to win the game and whatever you have up that week to take advantage of their personnel and their scheme. So he's not, he's not, he's not keeping things for, <laughs> for the playoffs. What they have is what they have. And what they run is what that coaching staff thinks is the best thing to beat the team that they're playing that particular day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tell you, I agree with you. And I, I said the same thing. I was like, it, it doesn't make any sense to do that. The whole, like you're trying to win the game. That's the whole objective, right? That's the whole objective to win the game. Uh, so why would you handicap yourself, right? Or hamstring yourself? And potentially not win the game because you're sitting there trying to hold plays back for you know what future games down the no it didn't make any sense. So yeah, you know the you know the thing you know the thing that and 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 I don't know this once again because I, I you know I've I've watched Kent, every game that Kansas City's played uh, this year um, except for maybe one I think, um, 
but the dynamics of that staff has to be a little bit different now without Eric the enemy, <laughs> you, you know, and, and I don't know uh, how much Eric contributed. I'm sure he contributed quite a bit to the game plan. And, and I know that Andy calls the plays, but when you're, when you're with somebody um, as a key, a, a key assistant and, and Eric was Andy's key assistant on offense for several years, running the meetings, uh, organizing uh, the, the evaluation of your opponents, um, setting up the, the, the base pass, base runs, third down runs, third down pass, goal line runs, goal line passes. There, there's a, a mechanic and a way that they, they did it for several years. Um, right. And there was a relationship between Eric and the quarterback uh, you know, and Eric and the offensive staff and the offensive players. Now, all of a sudden you take that dynamic out and Eric, you know, is here in Washington with the commanders and, and they're struggling a little bit, but there, there, there might be a little bit, it might take a little time for the staff and for Andy, you know, to, to have the same kind of a routine that he had with Eric. Uh, and it might be just a little simple thing like the, the play chart or how, how they how they put that together or, you know, whoever's Nagy's presenting it, um, you know, to the off players or Nagy and, and the offensive staff are meeting. And maybe Andy, because of his head coaching responsibilities, doesn't make every single offensive staff meeting, you know, and now all of a sudden it's it's Nagy doing it versus the enemy doing it. And, and there's a change in dynamics there. And, and I think. Uh, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, um, I, I think that might be a little bit of a factor in, in uh, you know, where they are right now. Man, we, we've said that on this show. We, we've said that the, you could tell the his presence is missed. And part of it could be just with accountability, maybe to some of the players where, where Eric was, was quick to get on guys. Almost like you were like running with guys and telling them what they did wrong. And I'm not taking anything away from Nag and I say Nag is not doing that. But it just look different. It may be a little bit different, right? How he's communicating to all the guys around him and even to the coaches. Uh, and I've said this, just my observation, just on them running routes, Coach. Uh, what do you think about this? Because I, I see when, when Patrick is holding the ball in his hand, it seems like they go immediately into like a scramble drill, right? So when you know we have, have a scramble drill rules and it's like, Almost picking things up on the fly, and I and and I've said this. I think sometimes what ends up happening is if you lean on to Travis Kelsey so much, and I think Travis kind of alluded to this, is it may help hurt the integrity of some of the routes, you know, and the discipline in what you're looking for. Because sometimes I see three guys in the same area, which we know it was a no-no. We yeah. were told that's it's not supposed to happen. Um, what, what do you well, think? About, any any kind. Any kind. Yeah, any kind of change in a routine or uh, – and I'll give you a great example. My wife and I, uh, we were over in, in the U.K. We were in England and, and Scotland for a couple of weeks uh, about a month ago, and uh, I rented a car. And now I've been driving for a lot of years, right? I mean, uh, all of a sudden you're driving on, on the left-hand side of the street and, and – it was different. Now, I, I and this is a God's honest truth. 
the first day we, we landed in Heathrow Airport. I was born in, in, in England, and so a lot of my family still lives there. And it was kind of there. My uncles are in their, a couple of them are in their 90s, and they're getting kind of old. So I thought it would be a, a time for my wife and I to go and, and visit them, maybe the, probably the last time we see them. And uh, so I rent a car. I drive from Heathrow Airport to uh, way up north in northern above London. It's called uh, Downham Market. It's where my one of my uncles and aunts live. On the way there, within about oh an hour and a half, it was about a two-hour drive through these little villages and stuff. I claimed a rearview mirror on a car because um, I was driving on the left-hand side. I was driving too close to the to the car. The streets are really narrow. So whap, whap, you know, here goes a rear view mirror. And so I stop and I, I, I pull over and I write a little note on the back of my card and stuck it on the guy's windshield. And, you know, I really apologize. I'm an angry American. I just uh, dri learning to drive. And so about 20 minutes later, whap, 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 I drive over a damn bicycle. Yeah, about in and then at not old. Drive and changing on the other side of this. Yeah, three days later, I'm. Because we got your we got your your picture right. is, is down on Coach. I don't know if that's a successful now he's not gonna be the Oh no. Oh coach is gone. It was that it was that story you was telling in Europe. The, the change of routine. It's detrimental. <laughs> telling you, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Mike. Mike Brennan. Al ran over his connection. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, coach coach didn't get a little too excited to tell that story. It's a great, great story though. I I wanted I want to know where that was going though. Coach has man some of the greatest stories. I'm, I'm telling man, you, man. I remember bicycle. It sounded like uh, Clark Griswold from European Vacation for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, JD. Everyone in the chat's been raving about Coach. Everyone loves Coach based on his play calls. But hearing him, man, whew, I would run through a wall for that man. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So the thing is, man, Al he he had. Just so much knowledge of the game. And you can hear it, you can just hear it. Uh, but just like when you're talking about this being fun to be around, this is what I would get every single day, you know, in practice and meetings. Uh, this is who he is. And he just he wore his heart on his sleeve. And he's just, I mean, just all around, just a wonderful, wonderful human being. Uh, and I love him to death. So I'm gonna see if we can get coach back up on here. I don't know if it's, it's there. There he is. There's coach. Hey. You thought you were getting rid of me, huh? No. Uh. 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 Lost for a second. Lost for a second. 
You still there? Got it? Okay. Well, this, this technology, I tell you what, you can't, you can't count on it. All this, all this analytics that's going on in football right now, you know, you, sometimes you just got to play with your gut, right? That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Coach, uh, I wanted to ask you, this is something that um, obviously a couple years ago when Mahomes, the only time Mahomes tried a QB sneak, he had dislocated his kneecap. And ever since then, uh, Mahomes has – we haven't done a, a QB sneak with uh, with uh, Mahomes. It's been usually a tight end sneak, Blake Bell doing it. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on Andy kind of eliminating the QB sneak with Mahomes just to kind of protect his quarterback? Have you ever heard of such a thing? You know, my, my first NFL – coaching job was with the San Diego Chargers and uh, we had a quarterback by the name of Dan Fouts, Hall of Fame quarterback, um, tremendous player and uh, <laughs> typical young coach at the time, but I just had come from the University of Tennessee where we had a guy by the name of Reggie White, Willie Gall, we had a bunch of great players, we had a great team at Tennessee and uh, so we're in, we're in preseason and uh, we're, you know, running. The, it was the first game of the year. And we're, we're running offense. We're down on the one. We're down on inside the one yard. And first and goal, at like about six inches, right? And so we had Chuck Muncie and, and uh, a bunch of really good players and backs down there. So we ran Chuck a couple times, planning to get in the end zone. And uh, I said to, to Coach Coriel after the game, I said, well, Coach, why didn't we just run a, a, a quarterback sneak? He goes, what? I said, why didn't we just run a quarterback sneak? He goes, look at Dan Fouts' legs. Are you kidding me? He says, I'm not going to run that guy on a quarterback sneak and get him killed. So, yeah, that, so I never asked for a quarterback sneak again in the five years that I was an assistant for Don. Six years, I guess. Um, there's something to that. You know, what? once you've been burned, by something like that, you know, um, and Andy probably feels like it's not worth it to put that kind of risk to one of the greatest quarterbacks in the National Football League. And if you don't have Patrick Mahomes, then probably the outcome at the end of the year will be different than if you did have him. And while it's fundamentally and logically, you would like to have the quarterback snake available. Um, Maybe Patrick doesn't like it. Maybe he doesn't feel comfortable doing it. You know, there's too many things that could happen to him. And and you have other people that could do it. And people are shifting tight ends back, back there now. You know, they're doing all kinds of different things to get that same. You know, they're doing the tush push, you know, doing all kinds of things different to, to get that, you know, scrum, you know, one yard gain. But I, I would be, if, yes, I've heard of it. We did it. Uh, we didn't have a quarterback sneak because of the quarterback and because Don didn't want to put uh, Dan Fouts uh, at risk like that. So, so I understand it totally. Wow. That's good. So I first of all, I've actually heard somebody explain why not to do the quarterback sneak. You know? <laughs> Especially when we see, like, with the Eagles, we talk about... There's some, there's some guys that just don't like to do things, you know? Um, I go back to Dan again, you know, in San Diego, uh, you know, he would, our, our pass offense 
defense in the in the drop back game it was generated protection wise with on protection which is you know five the five man protection or, or scat protection which is a, a six man protection with hot, hot receivers and sites and uh, Dan we never were in the shotgun and he just you know did not want to be in the shotgun did not want to take his eyes off the defense um, so we were always under center and so he could throw the hots and sights you know off the two of his three-step drop or two of his five-step drop or two of his seven-step drop, he'd get rid of the ball right away. Um, and and, and as, a, as a young coach coming from college where we were in the gun a lot, you know, I'm saying, geez, Dan, you got a guy, you know, you've got a naked rusher off the edge and you can still get the ball off, you know, to, to a hot or a sight in the gun. He said, well, I can't because I take my eyes off. I take my eyes off the defense, you know, to catch the ball. And he says, I can't catch anyway. <laughs> so, so we, we never, we, we never went in, in, in the gun with the Dan Fouts and, you know, and that's part of finding out what your players can do, what they believe in, um, you know, and if, if he couldn't function under the center, like he did, we had a great play action game. And James Brooks was the other back that we had with Jeff Munster, we were phenomenal with play action game, um, but we didn't get in the shotgun to throw the ball. Now, every down during those years, uh, Dan Reno was in the gun almost every down. So it's what your players can do. It's, it's put them in that position. And if you, you have a quarterback that might not like a quarterback sneak or you're a coach that feels like you don't want to put your, your quarterback in harm's way, I can understand it. Would it be good to have it? Absolutely. You'd like to have it. But if it's not worth it if you feel like you know, you're, put, you're putting your quarterback in a position that compromises his his uh, want to or his his ability to do it. Coach, can you do me a favor? Can you can you go at a left look? Can I hear that, that feedback? Yeah, we'll do it. There's a little feedback I think on the on the phone. If you go out, come back in. It might it might go right back up. JD, you're break, you're breaking up. I I, I can uh, I can't understand what you're saying in there. Yeah. What was that? Go ahead and tell Coach what I said. Uh, Coach, could you go back out and come back in? There's kind of um there's kind of delay in your in your audio. Go out and come back in. Yeah, to see if that fixes it. If I go out, I may never come back. <laughs> I might not get back, but I'll try. Okay, I'm going okay. out right now. Prime place, I can't even get out. There you go. So I mean, interesting though that I mean that that the whole QB sneak thing that he was he was a part of that before. So I mean, there are coaches who don't want to do that with their uh, their quarterbacks. Yeah, that, that, you know, and, and and to be honest with you, I mean, when you when you think about it, because you sit and say, man, it's so easy to run just quarterback sneak for half a yard or a couple of inches, you know. But if you're thinking about it, right, a forty-five million dollar quarterback, you know, who hurt himself on the last one is like, hey, look, do we want to take his chance when we have a couple of guys back here who can get the job done, right? We could hand the ball off to Pacheco, okay? We could get somebody else to do that. Matter of fact, if, if you wanted to. Which, which I think, high percentage-wise, come up, you know, run downhill. 
you know, do the little, you know, tush push, if you if you will. Right. But we know Jalen Hurts because of, you know, what he can he can bench or squat the guys that he has in front of him. I mean, they do that really, really well. They're very successful at it. Uh, I think it'd be a shame if they talked about I don't even I don't even want to talk about them, you know, outlawing that play. It just wouldn't make any sense to do something like that because one team successful at doing it, yeah. trying to outlaw something like that, man, would be highly unfair. Highly unfair. Uh, what we had to do, man, we had to make uh, a couple of people may uh, send a couple of questions in, when Al gets back in here, yeah, uh, and see if uh, uh, see if we could, you know, kind of get him to answer some questions. So if y'all want to sit some in the chat in the comments, uh, please see something. Uh, you know, something good for us to ask Al at this oh, moment. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, JD, I was going to ask you, I was going to ask him, ho- hopefully his connection works and he can get back on. Um, that was great. Now that we have, everyone's loving what Al's got to say tonight. Um, if we lose you, coach, it was not listening to you. Yeah. It was <laughs> amazing. We're definitely going to have him back on. I mean, I could, yeah. We're about an hour 20 in right now. We're at like a, like an 80 minute movie right now uh, through, through with this yeah. whole thing. I can, yeah. I can, I can listen to him all day long. Um, but one thing I was going to ask him because one of our other brothers, he's a Raiders fan. So Tajan and I are Chiefs fans, Raiders fan. Um, and then we also grew up in the Washington DC area, which coach that uh, coached here too. So he's been all over the place. Um, all, all the, uh, the dash areas, but I wanted to ask him because I remember watching uh, my brother saying, he remember watching one of the Raiders games back in the day um, where they talked about how Al Sarnes' playbook was 800 pages. Now you had his playbook. Was it eight hundred pages long, JD? Oh, it, it was. I mean, easily that. I, I don't know. Eight hundred pages is, is accurate, but I'm telling you, it was a whole lot. I mean, five hundred. <laughs> we talking about he had two hundred plays to call all night. I mean, that's that's what it was. Man, so we were going to the game. Thrones book. Oh man, it's like easily. I, I don't have one with me, but I mean, easily like like this thick. And so that's the 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 beauty of it was, uh, we, we could we could change anything up right he could tag different guys to do different things and so that's what he would do he would he would uh, obliterate a defense based off what they what he would see and he'll see something right there and then immediately you know he'll change something up and so we had that capability i think it's what made it so dangerous not to mention the running backs and all everybody else we had around us so uh just just knowing that like in the that five year span that no team did it better than in, in the nfl up until that point, you know, and I don't even know like a five-year span like what it is now, but that many points, that many yards, that many touchdowns. And I, I'm just, you know, and I was a part of it. And we were a machine. We were. We were an absolute machine out there just really just running through guys. Uh, so he's, he's texting me right now. He can't get on? Yeah. yeah I'm going to tell him to hit the same link, right? That's all he has to do. Yeah. He was having trouble with it earlier. It's, okay. It, it, it was tough. Technical difficulties tonight, Brian. I'm seeing some of your comments here tonight, buddy. Uh, what is not allowed to dislike anything Chiefs here? Not even Elliot P- and Pioli. Carl was a beloved GM. Crying emoji, crying emoji. I mean, JD, you want you want you want to take this one? Uh, let me read this one. Not allowed to dislike anything Chiefs here. Not even Elliot Pioli. Carl was beloved GM. Well, Carl did a lot. I, I, you know what? I tell you what. Love him or hate him, uh, and I, I love Carl a lot. We we had a lot of uh, history with each other. Uh, he brought a lot of guys here with some success here with the Chiefs on the Carl. Now, obviously, you know, Pioli, you know, those guys, when they came in, try to bring in the Patriot way, did quite work, right? And we see sometimes these Patriot guys, uh, they go other places, try to coach, doesn't work. And so 
Patriot Way works up there in New England, not so much anywhere else, right? Didn't they just fire a guy? Didn't they, uh, 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 Patriot Way? Same experiment just happened in Vegas, yeah. That didn't it? That's what I thought. <laughs> I wasn't certain. I wasn't for sure, but yeah, chemistry yeah. test didn't go well there either. Right. right. <laughs> so now nah, that, that's that. That to me, that's just crazy. Uh, but yeah. Look, the thing is, you know, and Al said, it's, it's about the players. It's about the guys that's here. And so when, you know, GM's supposed to just bring guys in, the guys out there are the ones that are supposed to play. And you bring in a, a great staff, obviously with Andy. Uh, Carl brought some great guys here, you know, as far as, as GM. You know, he brought, you know, Dick Vermeil, which I think was a, was a, a huge, huge uh, uh, step in the right direction with those things. Um, and, and, and matter of fact, I was going to talk about, Al, and matter of fact, Al was my choice when Dick left to be the heir apparent. Yeah, you got Herm, you got Herm here, right? And so we see how it worked out. Uh, you know, you know, obviously, Herm had been there before, uh, and they knew him really well. But Al would have been the guy, Al would have been the guy for us, uh, just because of what our offense was at the time, what he meant to everybody else. Everybody like loved Al. Uh, and we thought I was going to get the job. We really did. We really thought I was going to get the job. So, Al, you there? Coach, you there? I, I'm trying. There you go. That sounds yeah. crisp. That sounds good, Coach. No crisp. Wonderful. Can you so, hear me? Can oh, hear yeah, you. We can hear you. You hear us? I don't. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Sounded good. Did I go away? You did. You're back now, Coach. Can you hear yeah. us? I can hear you. Fantastic. I, I my face isn't there, which is probably a blessing. <laughs> I, I see a little circle with like a gray guy in there. Yeah, yeah. He, he's representing that's your icon. He's representing you right now, Coach. <laughs> but you're crisp. We can we can hear you loud and clear. I don't know. He, he's, he's probably still, trying to get on so you can see his face. Yeah. He's still in the room, but yeah, he he says device is not connected. Now he's back. Coach, ah, check it out. There you go. There you go. Gotcha. Hey, don't don't ever say no for an answer. Just keep on trying, JD. Yep. That's, right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Eventually it'll work. That's right, coach. That's right. That's I sure. apologize for being a, a total dunce when it comes to this technology, but uh, you know, I learned I learned how to coach football. I didn't learn how to be an IT guy. <laughs> and now I'm telling you now it is so it's so technology oriented that um, it's almost driving a lot of older coaches when I say older not necessarily age wise but experienced coaches out of the game because you spend so much time um, on the the technology and the presentations and the the video uh, that you don't spend it and I, I, I felt like this the last I'd say probably six or seven years in coaching that young coaches spent more time being video directors than they did being technique teachers of, of the craft and I, I really think that uh, you know of course there's a lot of things going on now you you don't spend as much time on the football field in practice the off-season programs are different you know the the NFL is regulated the the, the amount of time players can can be there and do what they do. Uh, I think some of that's good from an injury standpoint, but there's also some, some really negative, negative things that have transpired and 
and part of it is is people don't teach as well anymore they don't spend as much time investing their their knowledge of technique uh, teaching uh, it becomes audiovisual and it's it's really a shame because I think that that the players really uh, you know they, they they suffer from it with that with that coach you think there's too much emphasis on analytics and numbers Again. Can you hear me? Or no? Yeah, I, I, I don't know why you kind of breaking up a little bit, but I, I heard the word analytics. Yes. Do you think there's too much emphasis nowadays on analytics? Well, to me, analytics have been part of football forever. Analytics are, you know, a statistical analysis, you know, of situational football. And um, I think now with the computers, uh, with the information, there's so much information and so much analysis of information uh, um, that it's almost overkill. Uh, and I see some of these coaches and it is like paralysis by analysis. I'll tell you another story. Um, guy by the name of Joe Gardino, uh, when I, going back to chasing guys up the field at University of Southern California, um, Joe Gardino had a company called Apex Data Processing. He was a computer guy, and he was a USC graduate and alum. Um, and he was one of the very first ever to produce uh, computer analysis of other teams' defenses and offenses. He did it for the Rams. He did it uh, for USC for nothing. Um, and he, he had a Apex Data Processing was his, his uh, the company. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was maybe maybe we can, I mean I, I love to see his face. We can, maybe we can go to audio because we know that was like crystal clear. It was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. It might be the uh, Wi-Fi connection when you do audio and video, do too much. It kind of something, it all kirks out rather, rather than one or the other. He's back in here. Let's see. Hey, you Coach. killing me. <laughs> okay, we're back. Are, you, are we're is, back. It, is it you guys that are disappearing or is it me that disappears? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think it's you. It might be uh, yeah, maybe the Wi-Fi or something where you are. Yeah, because you you could try without the video, see if that works. Because when you when you were just audio earlier, it sounded it sounded great. There was no like in and outs. So just turn off the camera. Yeah, if yeah, I think if I think that might work. Let's let's see. Okay, like this. That's pretty. Can crisp. you hear me? Yeah, that, that sounds yeah. pretty good, Coach. Is that better? Okay, so I was talking about Apex Data Processing, right? So yep. this guy by the name of Joe Gardino and, and his, uh, his companies, he had these little matchbox and they had a dinosaur on the front. I'll never forget him because they were red and gold, which was USC's colors, had a dinosaur on it and it had adapt or die. And he says, remember this, he says, you need to adapt to computers because they will be the future of professional sports. Now, this was in 1970. And I, as a graduate assistant, I used to break down all the film 
for our opponents. So, you know, you take a defensive film and in those days they were actually films, they weren't videos. So you'd take them and it was on an eight millimeter, 16 millimeter deal and, you know, take down the defenses and the different looks. And so you, it was really a sorting mechanism. So um, way back then, analytics were used. It, it, they just weren't used um, as, as, as regularly as they are now or as abundantly. And, you know, I, I hear a lot of coaches, you know, probably the, the coach at San Diego is, is probably under the most scrutiny for all of his yep. fourth down, you know, uh, you know, going forward, this, that, and the other. And he says, well, the analytics told me this. Shoot, you know, sometimes you got to use your gut feeling. I mean, and the analytics don't take into consideration the players that are on the field, the guy that's playing against you. And, you know, Joe Burrow just, you know, fracturing his wrist or whatever comes out of the game and analytics tells you to go for it on, you know, third and seven. Well, you don't have Joe Burrow anymore. You got somebody else in there. So um, I, I think information is good. And but you, you you need to have information that you can use, not just a bunch of information. And I think there's some I think the really good coaches have a feel for their team. They have a feel for what's going on in the course of the game. You know, there there truly is momentum in a game and there truly is a, a sense of confidence of a player. And there certainly is a sense of not having confidence in a particular play or a particular run or a style of run or a style of pass. There's, a, there's certain things that the quarterbacks feel really good about in the course of the game. Uh, and you, and all of a sudden you, you call a play on fourth and three and you, you dial up a play that you might've worked on during the week, but the quarterback doesn't feel really good about it, but analytics say you should go for it. So it's a, it's a combination of, of all of the things. I think analytics are good. I think information is good, but it's how much you give me information that I can use and that I can sort through in the heat of battle at a moment's notice. Um, and, and then it becomes, it becomes a valuable source and, and some, at some analytical, uh, you know, information is, is, is not very good in my opinion, but uh, it's, it, I think it's, we're, we all have personal feelings on that. Yeah, Nick Saban re recently said uh, what analytics analytics doesn't tell you is what happens when you don't make it, which is actually <laughs> interesting. That's 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 a good one. That is true, and 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 sometimes you you know it, sometimes you, you you feel good about something, and uh, you know that intuition, or it's, it's like anything else. You you prepare and and you prepare going into a game for certain situations, um, but what is actually happening. I mean, you know, you, you're going to say you're going to run the ball. Uh, the, the two best blockers we had on the line of scrimmage, you know, were, were really Willie Rofe and, and, and Jason Dunn. And, and I was a left-handed run play caller because I was going to put Jason in a left formation. So Tony Gonzalez would be on the right side when we had two tight ends and we were right-handed quarterback. So that was going to be a more effective way. And we ran the ball to the left a lot because of the two players that we had the capability of putting over there. And, um, you know, I, I mean, if somebody told me that, it, you know, it's, and we didn't go for a lot of fourth downs, so people are doing that more and more now. But if, if it was third and one or third and two um, or third and three, and I felt like running the football, I was going to run it 
to the, I was going to think players and, and not plays. And I was going to run it to the left side of our formation. And I was going to run it to Jason Dunn uh, and, and uh, Willie Rofe. And 90% of the time we were going to make it. And then later on during the game, when we were ahead by 14 points, I'd run it to the right, um, you know, or I'd do something or I'd throw it on third and two so that when the, when the defensive coaches at the next game would have an analytical, uh, you know, chart of us, an attendancy chart, it would all even out. So that's, yeah. you can, you can play with, you can play with analytics too. If, if you have a, you know, if you have the foresight to do that and you have a good enough team where you can, you can do things to, to change your particular tendencies. Interesting. Coach, I used to love it because I'd be on the side and I hear defense, Don's on his side, Don's on his side. He's running this way, he's running this way. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to hear. <laughs> I have a tape. I, I, I have it. We played, uh, do you remember when we played um, uh, the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore? Oh, yeah, I sure do. I sure do. When they had Ray Lewis and they were the best defense in the history of defenses other than the 85 Bears. We played That's We right. played a, a Monday night game. It was either a Sunday night game or it was a night game. I, it was probably a Monday night game. And we beat them there. And I have, in fact, I got it right here. It says Ravens. Oh, shoot. I got to show you this real quick. Okay, it's right here. See that little DVD? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what, what it says is Baltimore Ravens, Ray Lewis, Wired versus Kansas City Chiefs 2004. We had uh, – Ray, Ray was wired for NFL films. And yeah. we, were, we, were, we had a, a tremendous game against them and beat them. They were undefeated at the time, and, and we beat them back there in, in Baltimore at a night game. And Ray is – I should send it to you, J.D. I'm going to send you a copy of it. You'll, you'll love Please it. Please do. And yes, I will. Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis is, is going to the sidelines going, we can't stop them. They're double-teaming me. We can't stop them. We don't know what they're doing. We don't know what they're doing. And we, we ended up shifting both uh, – both uh, JD and and uh, and Tony from one side of the formation to the other a bunch so that we could get a matchup uh, with Tony with uh, Tony Richardson on Jason Dunn and in that particular game we ended up running some counter plays so we pulled Will Shields so it was Will Shields and uh, Tony Richardson blocking Ray Lewis with Jason Dunn and Tony Gonzalez on the edge, securing the edge with Willie Rofe on that side. I mean, it was, we, we just crushed him, just absolutely crushed him. And Ray's going, we, we don't, we can't stop him. We can't stop him. You know, goes, a, I can't do it. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, I got to send that to you. It's, it's, I remember I, that, man. I remember watching that live. Oh yeah. Please right. do. I- you know, yeah. It, it's a, wait a minute, what did I just put it here? Can, I guess you can burn another one of these CD things, right? Wait, I'm going to show it to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I've got this thing right here, where so it has the the Ray Lewis deal. There we go. Oh, so yeah. if I can, if I make it, if I can make an, I can't even show it to you. If I can make another one of these things, I'll send it to you. It's the best. It, it's 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 a it, it, it's 
you need this because you're in here knocking the living crap out of those guys. And, and, and you would, you would really like that. I got it right on my yeah. desk right here. I'm going to, I've got to have another one somewhere. I'm going to send this one to you. Right. All right. Uh, be beautiful. Oh. Be beautiful. Uh, well, Bart Scott was on that morning show on ESPN talking about that game. Oh yeah. Oh really? That was the, yeah, it was a, but a couple months back, Bart Scott was talking about that Monday night game, about that, you know, J.D., T. Ridge, Rofe, all those guys, like, knocking him to next week and how Ray was getting really pissed off during that game. He was, he was like, laughing about it. <laughs> well, you guys, you guys, when I, J.D., when I send this to you, you got to bring it to, to, to you guys so that you can, you could, you could play this live. It's worth, I, I when, uh, where did I use this? Somewhere. Oh, it, well, I think what I did. Yeah. When I, when I came back to the Redskins with uh, Joe Gibbs, we, before we played that, we had a game with the Ravens. And before we played it, I played this tape at our team meeting on Saturday night. And it oh, just dude. brought the house to everybody. Everybody just went nuts. That's it awesome. Was, it was great. And then, then they kicked the living crap out of us. But, <laughs> but, but not, not, not on this game. This was 2004. No, that was a that was a great year for us. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember. I remember that vividly. I sure do. I do remember that. Oh man, so incredible, so incredible. All right, coach. I I just want to say to you, uh, just how much I, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, this is I I had a birthday uh, a couple of days ago. And I'm like, what could be a better birthday present than to have Al Saunders on our Chief Concern show? And so I just want to tell you and I just commend you for coming through, fighting through uh, the things you had to fight through to get here. Uh, and I know it's been a little challenging with all this technology and whatnot, but I know a man, a graduate, PhD from Stanford, Cal, as brilliant as magnificent as you, you can figure those things out. It wasn't going to be a question. Uh, but I, I just want to tell you how much that I, I love you, how much I appreciate you, Coach. Uh, I mean that from the bottom of my own heart, the depths of of who you are as a man and what you meant to me and a lot of other players. I'm going to speak for them because we speak about you all the time and what you mean to us. And so you, you have made well, a, a indelible impression upon us, that's for sure. Well, thank you, JD. I, I appreciate that, and the feelings are mutual. And it, it, it's guys like you uh, are the reason guys like me get into coaching to have the opportunity to have those relationships. And there's a lady that just walked into my office right here that wants to say hello to you real quick. Oh, I just, I just want to say I love you. I love you too. How you doing? Can we can she we get the video? Oh, sure. <laughs> he's been down in his office forever. Oh, yeah, we've been holding somewhat of a somewhat hostage, I guess, in a sense, in a little bit right here. Just talking some good football, and actually talking about you and the family, just raving on on you all, uh, and well, just how just, much just, just don't you. just don't don't tell her that I couldn't get hooked up on the on the computer because I won't I'll hear it for the next week. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Not, well, not the first time that's happened. <laughs> well, JD, thanks, thank, thanks for having me on. It was really fun to to talk to you and 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 your hosts and and just uh, 
bring back some great memories of some great people and some great times and always here for you if I can ever do anything for you or if you ever need anything. And uh, I'm going to, I need to get your mailing address so I can mail you this uh, Ray Lewis wired thing from 2004. You need to have a copy of this. It, 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 you, you would really enjoy it. Oh, yeah. I would, would love to. Would love to. And, and I just uh, thank you, Coach. I, I really do appreciate it. I mean, this means a lot means a lot for you to come on the show and, and coach we'd love to have you back we would love to have you back we won't we won't keep you as long as we did this time you know i know we we kind of was you know in your head a little bit but we had to get the brilliance of you we, we had to get you everything that you just did. yeah well listen i would love to, i'd love to join you again at some time and and do do this let me know in advance what, what you did but it, now that i know that it's a zoom and it's a secret uh hookup i will have my youngest son here who is a technology wizard and we will not have one glitch okay awesome sounds plan that's a plan right there that's a plan right. hey, coach i'm gonna let you know uh when it come to our uh, spring uh, flag football game so we can get uh coach saunders there to uh, whip up some plays for us <laughs> in fairfax are you going to be in fairfax well we'll be we'll be the uh, D in dc the national mall that's where we play in the springtime in the summertime well, I, I might come down and, uh, and and check you guys out. We can give them a little little uh, get your head around and get out of the brakes, JD. And <laughs> hey, you fire them up, coach. Get them ready to win it. They've been so close, almost winning it. Well, and you know, let's let let's stay in touch. And uh, thank you so much uh, for for having me on. I enjoyed it immensely, and uh, always love talking football and love talking to to you and, and, and people that, that mean so much to me in my life. And uh, thank you for the experiences that we had together. Absolutely, Coach. Me too. All right? No worries, guys. You can just express how much I love you. Thank you so much. And everybody's coming in the chat to tell you thank you, Coach. All the fans are sitting over there saying thank you. They just, you know, just in awe of the whole conversation. They really are. Uh, but thank you. Love you. Uh, Take care. Send my love to the rest of the family. Uh, you know, Mrs. Saunders, uh, is she still there? We can't see her. She but, is. I, I'm uh, here. Okay. Love you. Okay. My wife I'm says hello. Whatever. She was she was going to uh, to go get something, I guess, spend some money when I was coming out of the truck earlier. So I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that, that sounds familiar to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, JD, we'll say good night to you. Take care, my friend. I love you. And I we'll love stay in you touch. Too. Okay, good definitely. Luck, okay, buddy. Thank you. Good night, Thank man. You. Thank you. Good night. Good night, good night coach. Good night. Good night, coach. Right. That guy's phenomenal. If he does, JD, if he comes to one of my flag games. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I think I speak for everyone when I would absolutely love to watch a live stream of Saunders doing a chief game. Oh, I would yeah. take that a million times over a Manning cast. Okay. I would love to hear Saunders live talk about like the plays as they happen, man. That would be incredible. Yeah, that would be a good time. Oh. We try, we we actually try to get that hooked up, JD. If we give him enough time and notice. Get yeah. the whole thing figured out and have like a, like a, a live cast where each of us are watching our games um, and then try to get synced up so we're all at the same like time code of, during the games and watch with Coach. It'd be fantastic. Oh, man. It'd be awesome. Yeah. 
a, a wonderful treat. It would be an absolute treat, man. Oh. Telling you. We didn't get his game prediction. That was the last thing we're going to do before we go. I know we've been on here for almost two hours now, guys. Um, but uh, so we'll, we'll, we'd be so excited, though. You know, no, man. I know. I mean, I, game game predictions are we have we have them every week, but we don't get Coach Saunders every week. So that's you know. That's, um, but obviously, yeah. So uh, Coach even mentioned it. Uh, Travis Kelsey almost undefeated when uh, he is undefeated when Taylor Swift goes to games four and zero. Um, and of course, Andy Reid after a bye week, everyone knows uh, what what he does after a bye week, and he's. Uh, 20, 20, 28 and four after uh, 27 and four last year, uh, 28 and four after the bye week Taylor, Taylor Swift at games four and oh, she'll be there. Her parents will be there meeting the Kelsey's. Um, so that should be something. Uh, but, uh, who do you guys have in this one? We're two and a half point favorite rematch to the Super Bowl at home Monday night. A lot of stars will be in the building. What do you guys have in this one? So I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this game. It's, it's going to be, a you know, a tough one. We, we understand that. We, we, we got the two best teams in the NFL right now. Uh, and so this is not going to be disappointing uh, on Monday to, to check everything out. Hey. But, <laughs> I think she was talking about your, your comment. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, but I, I think, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, the Chiefs, uh, without a doubt, are going to win this game. I'm, I'm just like Al said, I, I would not bet against the Chiefs at all. I'm putting all my money and my marbles with the Chiefs. Uh, and I think we get everything figured out offensively. I think this whole bye week was was perfect for us to start moving in the right direction offensively, changing up some of the things that we've, we've been kind of uh, not so good at. Third down, obviously, uh, short yardage uh, in the red zone. Uh, and so I, I think this is probably the week, especially against a team like this, against the Eagles, Um it's going to be a, a very, very good uh, outing. So I got my prediction at 28 to 1. Uh, 21, I'm sorry. 20, 21 is where I'm, I, I got a prediction. Yeah, I was on. Chiefs. Um, Chiefs. Chiefs. You said 28, 21? 28, 21, Chiefs, yes. You, you have a slight, slightly over the uh, the total points for this game. 45 and a half, which I, I thought was going to be the highest scoring game of the week. It's not. It's like, it's like middle of the pack, 45 and a half points. Um, I was on all Chiefed up this week. I gave a 24 to 21 prediction. I went, you know, right, pretty much right on what Vegas has, the 45 points there. Um, so slightly below uh, the the total points. But yeah, I, I think I think we win. I think the the fact the forget the Taylor Swift factor. That's more of just a novelty. It's just fun to say that we're four and zero when she's at, at games. But I think you know a little bit of having the bye week. You know, having that a little bit of time, a little bit jump on the bye week, having coming back from Germany and stuff. But yeah, I, I think with the bye week. You know, our offense hasn't been looking the best. It's, it's fine, but it hasn't been looking what we, what we expect it to be. And I think with the bye week, the adjustments we make, maybe more Rasheed Rice. I know they said this week that they're, uh, they're they're trying to limit Tony's touches to try to get him healthy and up to speed and stuff. I don't know if I buy all that. I see you know, a little smoke screen action. I think we you see a little bit more Tony this week, more than seven snaps that he had last week. And I think Rasheed Rice kind of continues to do his thing, continue to grow in the offense. The bye week helps. I think our offense lo- is looking back to uh, what we what we know it to be against uh, Philly in a, in a prime time game on Monday night. Right. Hey, at least they finally acknowledged the lack of Tony. That's yeah. nice. It just took it took half the year, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> at least they finally. <laughs> oh, oh, we weren't using this guy. Like, oh, where's hey, he this is in my my. I typed it. I just never hit sent. Yeah. Yeah, update you a long time ago. Yeah, Tony's injured. Um, <laughs> I'm going uh, – I'm not sure what you – would you say, Mark, you said 24-21? Yep. 
I'm going close to that. I'm going 24-20. I think Philly has the ball at the end of the game, forced to score a touchdown to win because the field goal won't be enough. Mm. Okay. I think it's going to be the the I was going to say high scoring too until the over under kind of scared me. The total I was like, ooh, that's lower than I thought it was going to be. I feel like they want people to go take the over on that one, yep. so that's why I decided to go a little a little under it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, the, I know it's two hours, guys, and everyone's been on the chat for a really long time. But uh, we'll get going. We we still we have to do one more recording for our, our betting show that will be released tomorrow, so you guys can soak this episode in and uh, enjoy this one. Uh, but yeah, we thank everyone for coming in here and um, you know chatting along with us, asking questions to coach, making comments to coach. Uh, de- definitely made our day, made a lot of everyone's weeks in here, and definitely coaches was 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 glad to to see all the, the love that he still has in Kansas City, Chiefs Kingdom. I could sleep easier knowing that Coach Saunders is a Swifty. So that's, that's <laughs> I never thought that, but yeah, all right. <laughs> I think, you know what? Al answered a lot of questions, you know, when you would ask an offensive coordinator, somebody who has a wealth of knowledge over the years, knowing all the coaches, you know, some of the thought process going into the games and what you see offensively, right? Like the whole like hiding, you know, plays and, you know, what do you do on third? Third down and short, and you know why are you thinking why Patrick is not doing the, the the quarterback sneak, the evaluation of players, right? Also, too the wide receivers. You know we can go back through this entire thing. So comb back through this entire episode and just get all these little nuggets out there, man. And he just left, really, to give some some really good insight into the Chiefs. What he thought? Oh yeah. Yeah, the, the the offensive play thing with holding plays, which I loved. You weren't even done asking the question. He goes, "No, no. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, no." Kick it all the way out before he said it. Yeah. yeah. But I'll do that. I, I, you know. So good. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Everybody came into the chat. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a great time. You know, wonderful time. We're going to have some more next week. We have another, uh, another treat. A Thanksgiving Somebody, treat. Yes. On the show. Uh, so uh, be ready. Be ready. We make we won't make it two hours, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll keep your attention. It's going to be yeah, a good time. We'll keep we'll keep your attention. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So just to update everybody, so um, obviously we'll have we're, we're going to be recording our betting show after this. That'll be on our channel tomorrow, and then nothing Sunday, obviously. Then Monday we'll be right back on Bleacher Report right after that game. We'll be on the Bleacher Report channel, and if you guys don't don't tune into Bleacher Report, we'll have that on our YouTube channel shortly after that. And then Tuesday we'll have our grade show. And then, um, yeah, Tuesday we'll have a great show, and I believe we're also gonna. That's is it, that's what we're gonna film, JD, Tuesday with yeah. uh, our guest. So yeah, and that we'll have that we'll have a live stream. So we'll have we'll have two live streams in one day on Tuesday. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be a gonna be a long day for us, <laughs> but it's gonna be a fun day for everybody. Um, so we we hope everyone enjoys your weekend. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. See you next time, everybody. Hi everybody! Thanks for watching. Subscribe here to get the latest from the show. Also, be sure to check out the best clips from Chief Concerns. And if you prefer to listen to the show, subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.